0: company they are trapped in a becalmed sea taking the moment to relax and eat a bit mariel and tarquin muse about how much thicker fog is at sea than it is on land Danden and Dury are forward just kind of muttering their own business or muttering minding their own business let's see the calm is shattered as the sea rat galley sea talon rams the already shattered remains of the green fang clinging clean in two sending her occupants into the water mariel manages to grab the sparrow before going into i did it again i wrote sparrow manages to grab the swallow before going into the ocean the captain of the ship is a bit miffed but when he sees his own ship is fine he relaxes the crew spots a mouse and a hedge pig as they put it in the water and the captain orders them hauled out and i was just kind of made a little joke of like well that's one way to get them on a proper boat uh, only two of them, though, because Mariel comes out of the water with the sparrow between her teeth and Gullwhacker around her neck. She can't see the sea talon anymore or hear the rat's voices. Before she can get her bearings, something pulls her under. Thankfully, it's just Tarquin, who's a bit flustered at having been so deep underwater. It's just nightmare. Hate that. No. Um, she tells how Durian Danden have been caught, and they try to swim in the direction they think the ship is gone. But it's no good. They may as well just float until the fog clears. Tarquin, as usual, shows some gallantry by sharing the buoyant Haralina with Mariel, then gets points taken away for asking for food. Like, do you think she's got any food, Tarquin? Do you really think she's got anything on her after their boat just got completely totaled?
1: i think he's joking to to try and lighten the mood. yeah it's like I'll,
0: i'll i'll tentatively give you credit there but still sir um completely and utterly lost the two float as much as possible as the sea rises and settles the fog clears about evening and they worry about the cold that's to come as night falls the two's energy is failing badly They try to keep each other's energy up but mariel is fading faster than the hair which makes sense considering she is a much smaller creature Um, tarquin advises mariel put the swallow about her neck and she says that's a good idea he also helps her by holding her up but they both know this can't last for long night falls and the two are rescued by lord ronblade who snatches them out of the sea and all right, Brian, I like this. This is a good way to weave the plot back together. Like, I mean, it's it's not exactly a deus ex, but it is still like these two got damn lucky. But it is fun because like everyone is heading towards the same place. Like they are all heading towards Terramort. So it's like I kind of saw him this, setting this up. This isn't up. deus ex, this is Chekhov's yeah, Romblade. Chekhov's blade, there you go. Because I, I kind of saw him setting this up. Because I'm like, all right, someone is going to rescue them. And the most logical one would be Ron Blade. So it's like the two great paws pulled him out of the water. I'm like, yep, yeah, there he is.
1: And you know what? I like this. It's good. This, this book is making good on the promises that the first three books gave us. Mm-hmm. It's You're finally getting the payoff. Um, Mariel awakens in the
0: cabin of the wave blade. There's a charcoal brazier warming her up, and Rombly gives her dark wine and dried fruit to eat. She and Tarquin are now dressed in sea rat gear, Tarquin more flamboyantly so so than her, and she gets a giggle at his gaudy appearance. He He is just
1: dressed to the nines in absolute bullshit. Mm -hmm. He has like a yellow cape, so many daggers and swords. He's a fucking doofus. A yellow chanel? Chenille. Chenille.
0: Anyway. And a sashed belt of orange satin. Or a wide sashed belt of orange satin. Woof. This this hair is a road hazard. He's a road hazard sign. Road work ahead. I sure hope it does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're painfully millennials.
0: He boasts. and God, I miss mine. Um, he Sail. boasts and is shot down by an amused Romblade, who then turns to ask Marielle how she's ended up with Tarquin in the middle of the sea. She, how you ended up with, the,
1: with this fucking idiot? Right.
0: She begins the tale as the ship carries on northward, Gulwacker holding the tiller steady and the sparrow pointing away. the way. The swallow
1: <laughs> shakes past me. It's like sometimes you get it right, and then other times it's like, what the fuck? I know. <sighs> The two rescued shrews absolutely- First, 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 just the art at the beginning of this chapter is just a rat just screaming, and it is so fucking comical. It's good!
0: I love it! Just Ah, It's so good. This is very good art. Kudos, artist, if you ever listen. Uh, The two rescued shrews absolutely demolish a breakfast back at the Abbey, and confirm there's 18 more creatures to rescue, including Packatug. Friar Alder jokingly fears the arrival of 18 more starving beasts, which I go, Sir, I know you're joking, but you guys hold a feast at least once a week. I think you're good. In the cellars, Clary and Four Mole plot the next rescue while sampling food and drink from the Abbey. Clary wait, wants four moles, and Four Mole knows just the ones he'll pick. <laughs> That wasn't intentional. I was
1: very annoyed when I typed it out.
0: (laughs) Gabe Quill is a bit knit at the criticism of his rose hip squash, which Which is type of some kind of cordial. Yeah, because like I Googled it and was getting like um, very different recipes, but I saw like a few cordials pop up as well. So I'm like, you know what, that makes sense. Kind of something like they describe it as being incredibly sweet, so it's probably very syrupy
1: nothing sweeter than a rose hip
0: and offers some less sweet drinks to the two in his cellar he's just like fine you don't like it drink this (laughs) god he also asks clary why he'd only rescued two the night before and clary gives a very logical answer they can only handle two at a time since they're chained together that way each slave chained to their partner if they can snag more tonight with the help of the moles they will at the sea rat camp, we learned they've booby trapped the woods around the camp. Trip wires at ground level, rope traps in the trees, and to be extra careful, they've moved the slaves into the center of the camp. As night falls, the rats cook up whatever they've scrounged. For Big Fang, that's dandelion roots and some hard apples.
1: Too bad they don't Wait, have any so butter and cinnamon fact,
0: because fun... baked apple with butter God. and cinnamon is just the
1: best! And like, in. If you roast dandelion roots and then, like, boil them in water, you get a coffee substitute. Ooh. So, like, that would have been really nice if Big Fang knew what he was doing. Right, but
0: they're sea rats, which he points out later. They don't know what they're doing. They're just doing the best they can. Um, He tries to cajole Kaibo into sharing wood pigeon he'd snagged. Kaibo's having none of it, saying he, Graypatch, and Fishgill had hunted at and Square while the while outlaying traps big Fang had been snoring asleep during that time temper snap as Lard gut singes his paw and wails in irritation using that big Fang once again makes a mutinous speech against ray patch what good is the fat of the land if it's all berries and roots why not go after Redwall again instead of huddling around protecting slaves Gray patch makes a show of his own hefting a log into the fire he wonders why he hasn't killed big fang yet Clearly the rat's too stupid to see his plan to which my response is no, I really want a reason for why this actually is like, why hasn't you, why hasn't he killed big fang yet? Any other villain would have skewered big fang by now. And like, is it a show that gray Patch is fundamentally not a leader? Like he's like, he's not the leader that our previous villains have been. He doesn't have the charisma and he doesn't have the presence. He does have the brains, but he's just—he's lacking, and he can't just kill people off willy nilly.
1: And I—I I made a, a a point like I think if he kills Big Fang now, that'll just guarantee a mutiny. And with what happens later, I think that I was right, right. because if you don't have a good reason to kill somebody like this, where most of your crew is behind them,
0: mm-hmm. they'll go for then you. Then
1: you're just. Yeah, you're just guaranteeing that they'll come after you Mm -hmm. because, you know, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. But later on, we get a moment where it's like he's justified in being able to kill Big Fang.
0: Because Big Fang starts it.
1: Yeah, and Big Big Fang challenges him, and Mm -hmm. that's what he's been waiting for. Right. So,
0: Redwallers are risking themselves to save slaves they don't know. So, if they manage to catch Redwallers and hold them hostage, it's a free ticket into the Abbey. When Big Fang asks how he's sure they'll come back, a Great Patch once again insults his lack of foresight. The Redwallers are too noble to not come back. He dreams aloud. Absolutely sure this plan will work. First take Redwall, then, with the slaves they'll have at hand, build a new fleet and take Terramort. And it's like, talk about like counting your chickens before they hatch. Every single time he's made one of these confident promises, it's like almost immediately come around to bite him in the ass. Or the eye, more often than not. (laughs) Naturally, the hares have pinged the traps and are quite happily dismantling and moving them about. They do praise the rat's alertness and their ability to tie knots. And like Han Rosie says, she's just like... uh, where is that? I know Han Rosie says something about this. Turn, turn pages. To what?
1: Turn those pages. I did.
0: I'm on the page. I'm just trying to find. Here it is. Let's see. Oh, it's time. Not Rosie. Certainly, Clary, old chap. I say these sea rats are rather good at tying knots and whatnot. Must be with all that messing around in boats. Like I'm imagining, like all these nautical ties and knots and stuff um let's see formal is given the go ahead to begin digging and starts making calculations he rules out some paths due to roots and rocks finds a spot and the other three moles get to it with a will and i really like this little moment that formal is given here because it's not just, oh, moles are just naturally good at digging. It's like, no, he is actually doing formulas. He is making plants and using a very specialized knowledge. The m- this is why he's the formal. Yeah, like moles are so dang important. And I like that they're getting, you know, good attention for a change.
1: I mean, there was also that bit of very specialized knowledge when they found Martin's grave. Exactly,
0: yeah. That's true. They did also get some proper credit there as well. Okay. Uh, sentries are posted all around the rat camp with even gray patch, keeping his one eye on the woodland fringe. As the camp settles down, the sentries droop and lose alertness. Time approaches, to Clary that things are ready to go with one more warning to Han Rosie to keep her whoops under control. The rescue party strikes out. And this is another really nice scene.
1: Yeah, like, I just, we both struggled to actually find things to, uh, like, talk about that are, like, bad.
0: Because we're, we're enjoying reading. Like, there's, there's, like, a certain part of the book where I stopped and, like, wait, I have to take notes here because I'm just, like, enjoying reading. Um, Let's see. A rat named Fleerit. Flea wort. Blah, 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 blah. Flea wort. Flea Flea A rat named Flea wort is awoken from an uneasy sleep by the discomfort of being hot on one side and cold on the other I mean, we've all had that experience with a <laughs> campfire,
1: right? Yeah, God
0: Yeah. When he rolls over to bake more evenly a sharp stick <laughs> pokes him in the cheek and really
1: didn't realize well. you put that there <laughs> I thought you'd get a giggle out of that <laughs> Baked rat just in time for him Tasty. to see four? <laughs> um
0: Just in time for him to see four sleeping slaves vanish into the ground. God, that would be
1: terrifying.
0: Right? Like, you'd think you were dreaming,
1: and then it's like. Uh, right. Wait. Because like,
0: he, he almost doesn't register it before his brain catches up and thinks that's a bit odd. It takes another pair disappearing for him to alert the camp. And a quick count of the slaves and a foot in a pothole reveals that, yes, six slaves are gone, and it was through a tunnel. Big Fang, trying to look smart, supposes they'd gotten squirrels to dig the tunnel. Gray Patch is swift to grab his nose and call out his idiocy. It was clearly moles. A swift boot to Big Fang's behind sends the con- contentious rat off, and Gray Patch begins issuing orders. Before he can really get control, the three squirrels... Wait. Egg the pie... Oh, sorry, the three hairs. <laughs> squirrels. The three Were you hairs. tired?
1: Were you tired,
0: Kit? I was. I think I was tired writing this part because I think it was... Oh, yeah. I read this part after work one evening. <laughs> Apologies. Oh, you're good. Um, it's very funny to me, personally. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully our listeners find it funny, too. I hope they do. Uh, but- before he can really get control, the three hares egg the pirates into chasing them right into the moved and reset traps. Uh, cue Benny Hill chase scene music.
1: Yakety yeah, um, sax.
0: Gray Patch launches over the fallen rats, only to be caught in a snare and flipped right upside down, even cracking his head against Frink, who was also caught in one of the traps. In the camp, Big Fang bellows how he was right. It was the squirrels! The hares said so! fucking big fang is just he's so
1: stupid uh, him so stupid they gotta stop stop making the rats stupid mm. yeah
0: the red ballers free the slaves giving them good baths to hop into and promises of good food to feed them up flag quips they'll soon be fat ass hogs and gabe quill fairly takes offense to this he's like hey <laughs> yeah it it was <laughs> it made me laugh it was very cute um Flags struck the last of the chains free. Don't fret, Marm. They've got mouths to eat with. They'll soon be fat as hogs. Gabriel Quill sniffed. Speak for yourself, stream dog. (laughs) The rescuers enjoy drinks to celebrate the successful raid. And it's all praise and good words until Rosie asks for permission from Clary. With permission given, she lets out an ear-splitting laugh. The moles call it a night, ducking out to avoid more of the hare's whoops. (laughs)
1: They're <laughs> just like, mm, time for bed. Nope, not doing this. Uh-huh. She is honestly kind of obnoxious. A little bit. She just, she reminds you of like,
0: you know, when you go to like family get togethers and you've got like that one cousin or that one aunt who's just like way too boisterous. Yes. Like they've got way too much energy. And it's like, yeah, I, that's
1: me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Han Rosie cosplay later. Oh, um, God. <laughs> we find ourselves you give me the money the... to buy a
1: Han Rosie fursuit <laughs>
0: I'll, do it. I'll do it are you kidding if I had that much money I'd be getting one for myself of like three different characters that I have to pick from give me a <laughs> break here um,
1: hey at, uh, at our listeners give me like four or five thousand dollars and I will get a Han Rosie fursuit
0: back to what we actually need to be talking about we find ourselves aboard the sea talon her captain is smug with the new sword at his side and the two new ore slaves he's acquired. He asks the slave master what he thinks of the two new ones, and he's not impressed either way. They're neither good nor bad at it. The captain goes down to gloat about gaining the pretty sword, mocking Danden for not seeming like much of a warrior. Danden glares defiance at him, declaring he is from Redwall, that is Martin's sword, and the rat isn't worthy of it. A lash from the slave master doesn't even make Danden flinch cat's eyes the captain isn't afraid sure they'll cow him someday
1: it's really common amongst carriers of the sword that like they don't flinch did Uh, someone just
0: sneeze on your end
1: uh probably (laughs) sorry i just heard that yeah yeah it's really common amongst carriers of the sword that like they don't flinch when faced with danger Mm -hmm. um it's definitely a martin thing stares into uh-huh. the distance and he's just going to <laughs> slowly back Sarmina into the fucking lake. <laughs> Terrifying.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um Spirit
1: of Martin says, no, "You're good. You're good. It's fine. It's fine. This pain, it'll go away. Just don't flinch."
0: Exactly. Scare them with your resolve and your strength. Which is um, a tactic.
1: It is a tactic, oh, very much so. and it can unsettle people. It has unsettled people. It unsettled. It unsettled Slagger.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much so. He was like, like "Why mm- is this?"
1: I'm gonna move away from you very fast now, kiddo. Yeah, like,
0: like, why aren't you responding in the way I expect you to respond? You're not crying out in pain. You're not doing what I want you to do. Don't like that. Um, in the ore galley, the slaves are given a rest as the swells and no, wind you carry one. the ship.
1: Cat's eye is, yeah. is wary okay. of Gabool. Okay, Cat's
0: eye is wary of Gabool and the possibility of Flagga being at Terramort as well. Apparently, they
1: they're alone. not friends.
0: Yeah, I mean, are any of them friends actually? What? But they'll be like, oh, we're we're totally or mates or whatever. But then they're like, I'm gonna still stab at you, hey,
1: stab at you, um, kick at you, bite at you. <laughs>
0: So he sends Fishgill and a goodly assortment of his crew up to scout things out, warning Fishgill not to trust Kabool at all. He's wild and mad for it. Now, in the ore galley, the slaves are given a rest as the swell and wind carry the ships into Terramort. Danden wonders where they are, and a tired young field mouse named Copsy tells him it's Terramort, but it doesn't matter. They never get to leave their seats. Danden offers what little comfort he can. They're given some barley meal and water by the two by two mean rats, Blodge, the slave master, and his assistant, Clat. Clat is dismayed to learn they're stuck on the ship with cat's eyes, only soothed by Blodge saying he feels trouble is coming. Besides, they can make skilly and duff for themselves. So
1: see, well, the way that it is, is, they he says, we can go make some skilly, and then Clat is like, and duff, and raisin duff? I we'll go make some skilly and duff. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> The, the first thing, I Google Skilly and Duff, and the first thing that pops up is the Redwall wiki. <laughs> are you kidding me? I know Skilly and Duff is a real thing, though.
1: That's very funny.
0: That's very
1: funny, though.
0: That is to me, because Skilly and Duff, like, it's a real thing. I know it's a real thing, because I've heard it before. But all the results, like, all the first results are from Redwall. You've got Try Marl Skilly Fox, and Duff got...
1: recipes.
0: Nope, it's a uh, Friar Hugo's kitchen. Oh. Skilly Duff from Marlfox. Skilly and Duff, a Redwall recipe, fictional fare. That's weird because I know Skilly Duff is a
1: real thing. Try Skilly Duff space minus sign Redwall. Okay.
0: Okay. Well, there's some songs about Skilly and Duff. But- <laughs> Okay, there's something from like the Great War Forum. Maybe. Irish band Osakis. There's another Dormant Crew Alright, maybe it's not. That's weird, because I that's so weird because I knew about Skillion Duff before reading Redwall. That is weird. I'm gonna look more into this later. Um but you're right, though. I like, I love these little interactions between these two. Because, like, yeah, they're mean and they're rude. Because, like, they bully a slave. Like, oh, do you like Skelly and Duff? And the slave's like, yes. And they go, <laughs> too bad. None of it's for you. <laughs> Loser. Uh, and Dury dearly wishes to have a go at Clat when his chains are removed. As they do. Yeah. The evening rolls on and the sea rats take a break to enjoy the Skelly and Duff.
1: It's like really nice because they, they they like ask the captain if he'd like some, and the captain is like, "Yeah, I'd like some," and they, it's just like a very hu. This was that humanizing moment that I was talking about before. Like, mm-hmm. they're people. They they're terrible people, but they're still people. Yeah, Skilly and Duff, Captain,
0: me and Clap made enough for all. Claws aboard. Cat's Eye left the rail, adjusting the sword of Martin so it rode more comfortably at his side. Thank you, Boloch. Thinky bludge. I think I will. Using the dark of night, a hooded mouse slips in to free the ore slaves. He brings three good rasps with him, and with the help of Dandon and Duri, they set to work. Also, for those who don't know what a rasp is, it's basically like a giant metal file.
1: It's the kind um, that's got like a holes in it because you're going to be yeah. taking off. You use rasps to take off a lot of like mm-hmm. wood in a very rough manner, mm-hmm. or oh. metal. Or metal. Yeah, I usually see them used on wood. Yeah, but
0: but they do like like explicitly use it on the metal. Yeah, they can't be
1: used on metal. It's just mm. not as efficient.
0: It's like I take it for granted sometimes that some people don't know what these tools are because like I grew up watching a farrier like shod horse hooves, so like I knew a well, lot of. Yeah, you of can tools also that, like, use rasps people...
1: on horse hooves.
0: Yeah, you can. They're like I said, they're basically like a giant nail file or yeah. a file. Um. And God, the sound it makes when they're doing it, like when, like when they're like rasp, like when they're giving the horses like a little pedicure, like the sound of the rasp against That's the hooves. That's why it's like, called
1: a rasp. It rasps.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a shockingly, surprisingly fun ASMR. Um, anyway, <laughs> 20 more hooded and quiet. Oh, sorry. He brings three good rasps and Dan and Dirty. 20 more hooded and quiet mice slip into the galley to help. One mouse, too overjoyed at his freedom, laughs and drops his chains, alerting Cat's Eyes. He issues a challenge, and the strange mouse gets close to him by claiming to be a messenger from Gabool. When Cat's Eyes asks what the message is, the mouse says, Gabool doesn't know, but the mouse did bring him this, and he slays Cat's Eyes with a thrust from a dagger. Very cool moment, like, ha ha ha.
1: The mouse um, is like, actually, like Gabool Zor- doesn't know I'm here, but I did bring you this message. Yeah. Sab, yes deputy
0: um like this is like straight up some like zoro like if this is like being a zoro skit i wouldn't be surprised yeah it's really um bad. blod blod why is that name tripping me up all of a sudden blodge and clat call for the captain and the mice quickly hide the slain rat Danden tells the stranger to let him handle blodge and clat having reclaimed martin's sword the two stumble down the galley and are terror stricken at the sight of the 20 mice when they turn to flee Danden stands in the way Danden dispatches Blodge, and Dury and the oar slaves make short work of Clat. The sound of four more bodies hitting the water lets them know the ship is theirs. Danden asks the stranger what next. He says they'll take everything of use out of the boat, then scupper her. He knows of caves they can hide in, and when the time is right, they'll take Ford Bladegirt for themselves. Danden gives his name and asks the stranger who he is. With a flourish, she reveals himself to be Joseph the Bellmaker.
1: Is I was he's right. right!
0: He's alive!
1: <laughs> he's alive!
0: Good job! He called it! <laughs> I love that Izzy just put a happy face in the
1: notes. <laughs> I did. I put colon D.
0: Yep. The next morning in Mossflower, Gray Patch loses his tentative control over the crew. Big Fang has a point he can no longer deny. They're low on food. Hunger beats out Conquest. Greypatch asks, what's his answer to all that? And Big Fang says it's simple. Take their weapons and go hunting. Get birds and fish. Feed their bellies. Greypatch says that's fine, but they need to be- to build, build. 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 They need to build a cage for the ore slaves first. Finally. Finally, Big Fang lays out a bear challenge to Greypatch. One neither can brush away without a fight. And I'm like, about time! Goddamn! It's a close fight. Big Fang is young, strong, and angry. But in the end, Grey Patch's wild and experience wins out, and he spears Big Fang through. A fat squirrel observes. A fat squirrel observing above shakes his head. He saw it coming a mile away. And I'm like, whoomst? Hello? What is this?
1: Yeah, another squirrel? Why? To be fair, a lot of- more people live in Mossflower Wood than just the people at the Abbey.
0: Yeah, and this is, like, a good example of that. I do also, like, this is another book where, like, we get a lot of, like, really fun squirrel characters.
1: Honestly. Um, and I yes, even squirrels. as annoying as...
0: Yeah. Even as annoying as Tree Rose is, I still like her, too.
1: Because um, she's a good character.
0: Yeah. Great she's, like, stuff. terrible, but she's a good character. She's terrible in a good way, because it shows that squirrels aren't always, like, the good, you know, cheerful, chipper fellows. Grey Patch establishes his dominance of the crew once more. He asks if anyone else dares to challenge him, and they don't. With his rule restored, he sets them to building the cage.
1: Yeah, and this is where I'm like, okay, this is why Grey Patch hadn't killed Big Fang before now, because if he had, again, the crew probably would have mutinied or killed him. Exactly. Because Big Fang challenged him, whoever wins the crew will be behind because that that challenge means that they've proved that they deserve captainship yeah right? like
0: he yeah because gray pat sorry big fang was the instigator big fang lost there you go end of story
1: it's good shit
0: yep okay the fat squirrel is revealed to be oak tom a friend of roofbrush and i squint at possible day sex in up but it's a stretch because in all seriousness, usually when you get a character introduced this late in a book with like such a bombastic style such a really good intro they're either there to be killed off in like a heroic sacrifice or they show up because Brian caught himself like riding himself into a corner and needed someone to help like get himself out of it and I said kudos to Brian this time around because oak shows up early enough that we haven't spotted the corner. And, I mean, I wasn't entirely wrong about the heroic sacrifice. I was just wrong about which characters were going to be doing it.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The two share an enthusiastic greeting, which changes from friendly wrestling and insults to compliments. Some dibbins mistake the friendly roughhousing for a fight, and it gets the attention of the three leaders of the Abbey, because they're like, Oi, kick him, bite him! Don't let him bully you like that. Like the kids are just like, oh, how dare this. This is, oh my goodness. Um, anyway. So Oak Tom does some fancy acrobatics to greet them. We learn he's a former occupant of Redwall, one of Melis's dibbins. He's an impish squirrel, winning the favor, winning favor with his cheerful mood and a gift of soap from Melis.
1: And he's a little bit
0: like gonf. Just a little bit. Because she's like, where did you take... Like, I don't want to think about my dibbin' and stealing, but where did you get this soap? And he's like, how dare you?
1: I would never. I would never. How could you even... Even accuse me of this? Mother? Mother a- how could you? What a betrayal. Monther, how could you? Mother. What if I made that for you? Yeah, what if? I'm just a good, good child. I'm a good Christian squirrel. <laughs> the
0: squirrels are now Catholic. oh god oak Oak tom tells clary of what he's seen and it concerns the hair deeply he frets that it's come to this though what this is he brushes off lightly not for them to worry about the others do still pick up on his worry with saxtus making note how the hairs talk lighter the more worried they are
1: mellis even like notices that saxtus like makes this observation uh like with how young he is, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's very astute.
0: It is, like it's a good observation. He does a good job to notice this. Any who's it? Any what's it? In their In their private guest room, the hares ponder the situation. <laughs> Rosie suggests a day raid while the rats are out hunting, but Oak Tom has run off all the game for leagues. The rats will be back in camp by now with only a few roots and fruits to roast. They still won't say what the plan is, but it's fairly plain to see. They'll do what Ron Blade would do. It's time to fight.
1: And we can kind of, like, extrapolate from here what this plan is going to be, because we've seen what Ron Blade does and what he's currently doing, which is mm-hmm. sailing to Terra Terramort by himself mm-hmm. to go take out Kabul. And It's like, you don't know how many rats are there, good sir. Mm-hmm. So he's going into a fight outnumbered and is going to fight no matter what happens. And it's like, Mm -hmm. "Mm, that doesn't bode well. Mm -hmm.
0: Don't like this!
1: Chrissy, wake up! (laughs) (sighs) Speaking (laughs) of (laughs)
0: Gabool, At Terramort, Gabool has fed Fishtail to Scrablag. He doesn't cover the hole anymore. He's completely settled into his own mad fancy.
1: He He was basically just like, how dare Katzai send a... A spy.
0: Yeah, like, just a spy? Come on, man.
1: And Scrabble Um, is, like, perched on Fishtail's corpse. mm Mm-hmm. It's not not good. It's bad, actually. Very.
0: He struts out to the dining hall, demanding the bell ring for him, the king. They tell him of the sunk- Sorry. The the captains tell him of the sunk boats, and he dismisses the fact that one of them isn't the Dark Queen. He doesn't care what the boat is called. As he leaves the hall, whispers of fear break out. Gabool is truly mad now. But the rats are trapped, nothing they can do. So they decide to wait for the rest of the fleet and make the best of it with the supplies while the supplies remain at the fort.
1: And oh, like this tension slowly building. Yep. Like this, this is, is a really good It is so well written. I really hope I really hope that the ending of the book doesn't fall flat. Yeah. Because this just... buildup of tension and if the book falls flat, that'll be real disappointing.
0: Mm hmm. Just come on Bri- Brian, we want you to nail Bring the landing here. Bring we are it We're rooting for you.
1: Get we the are home rooting run. for you. So much. Come on.
0: <laughs> we hop back to Mariel, Tarquin and Romblade as they make their way towards Terramort. She observes the noble badger lord. She can only approve of the fact that the bell her father has made was was for this great beast. She also misses her father deeply for a moment. And I really like it. Like it's it's a short small passage, but it's really sweet like her reminiscing about how much she misses her father how she hopes he's alive and how his name meant everything to her the love the guidance the com- camaraderie ship between parent and child
1: mm-hmm.
0: how it was like having a best friend than more like having a best friend than a father at times his humorous twinkling eye and ready wit it's very sweet um, just, it humanizes her. It reminds us what she's fighting for and why she wants to get back to it so bad. Her life is shattered and shaken and she just wants her dad back. Um. Yeah. It's good. Tarquin, Tarquin calls them back to reality as he spots three sails over the horizon. Romblade issues his orders and they follow the... Follow... Okay, let me try that. Again. <laughs> Tarquin calls them back to reality as he spots three sails over the horizon. Romblade issues his orders, they follow, and Romblade hides himself below. Hey, if anything else, I'll have a lot of practice editing things out of this episode. <laughs> mm. Okay. Nightwake, Crabclaw, and Black Sail are all racing towards TerraMord. Like this is another kind of cute moment where they're just like, hey, we're in the open. Let's go! Zoom. Um, They've been traveling in a loose convoy, but now that they're closer to home, they decide it's time to cut loose with the friendly competition. I mean,
1: who else is going to come after
0: them? The Nightwake ends up closest to Mariel's ship and hails it, asking how they are. She minds having rudder trouble, and when he inquires about Orgai, Tarquin puts on a show of sleeping and being drunk. The ruse works, and the Nightwake carries on, the three captains sharing a laugh over Orgai's supposed drunkenness. And you're right. It is a very funny scene.
1: It's so fucking funny because they don't use words. They just pantomime the whole thing at them. And it's it's just so funny. It's so well, funny. It's, it's a bit
0: of fridge brilliance, too, because, like, if Orgai is hungover and drunk, they're not going to want to be shouting back and forth because what's going to happen? Orgai is going to come, ra- you know, railing out of the cabins and lay into them, you know? Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, we'll just pantomime it there you go and it works it's a brilliant little bit of just i like it. it's good it's good shit good 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 let's see romblade is happy the trick worked and Marielle is covered in sweat from nerves she's just like this is not ocean spray on me i'm literally just sweating that much they had been like a little bit closer they would have known <laughs> uh-huh he sends a protesting Tarquin up to furl the sails so they'll arrive in Terramort well behind the other three ships.
1: I wanna read the hare
0: this. really tries to get out of doing it, but repeated orders of up and a failed plea to a seagull sees him in the rigging. He gives a good whine about how Han Rosie would be laughing if she could see him.
1: I want to read this.
0: Please do. It's a charming moment.
1: Ronblade strode up on the deck. Will furl in the sails and let, uh, and let them get into Terremort well ahead of us. Up you go, Wood Sorrel. I'm too heavy to be climbing masts, and Mariel's needed on deck. Tarkin took a look at the swaying mainmast billowing with sail. He threw a paw across his eye and stattered giddily. Oh, Corks, do I have to climb up that great swaying thing and fold all those windy old bet sheets? Do I really, sir? Ronblade pointed a stern paw to the topmast. Up, Wood Sorrel, up. Tarkin spat on his paws, but made a last ditch plea to a passing gull. I say, birdie old bean, just for a jolly old sailor, too, as you're passing. There's a good chap. The gull flew heedlessly on. Runblade stood with his hefty paw still pointing into the rigging. Up. Tarkin nervously scaled the mast, calling out to the seagull, who had decided to hover overhead and view the performance. You rotten old featherbag. Bet your mum was a cuckoo. Oh, golly, if Hon Rosie could see me now, she'd split her fur laughing.
0: It's, it's, and then like the abrupt mood snap to what we go to next. Yep. It's, you know what makes you think of literally that scene from Mulan girl worth fighting for. And then boom, dead village. Mm -hmm. And I I still love it when people point out that after that point, the movie is no longer a musical. Um, Uh, at that exact moment in Mossflower, Rosie has never been more serious in her life. The hares, who are armed to the teeth, oak tom, roofbrush, and tree rose are all waiting just outside the road in camp. Clary gives the squirrel one more batch of instructions. Squirrels. Clary gives the squirrels one more batch of instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it once. <laughs> get the slaves, get out, take a looping path back towards the abbey. Flack will help them out along the way. No matter what, they are to keep the slaves going full speed. Roof worries about the hares. What's their plan? Clary tells them not to worry. They'll They'll meet them back at the abbey once it's over. It's pretty clear the hares are fibbing, but they put on their best faces, and the three squirrels go off none the wiser. Like, there's this moment between Tree Rose and Han Rosie that actually really got to me, where Tree Rose is like... Hey, you know, are you going to be okay? And and Rosie's like, oh, don't you worry about me, dear. We'll see you back at the Abbey. And I'm just over here going. Uh. Actually, did get to me. Um, consequences of warfare. <laughs> like consequences, consequences, consequences. Consequence. Once they're out of sight, the Harris comfort and encourage each other. They will do their best to make Rombley proud, and. I stand by what I said on earlier recordings. This is stupid and I am mad at Mel's for driving them to this point because she has pushed them into what is basically a suicide rush and I get it. I get why they're doing it. It's the right thing. It is the moral thing. And as a teen, like if I was a teenager or if even this was just like maybe 10 years earlier, um, I would have been all for this. i would been like, oh, this is so noble, it's so right. But like, I'm, like, I'm old enough now to know that They're just throwing away their their wisdom, their courage, all of the knowledge that they have that can save so many creatures. And like, they're not throwing it away. They are saving 12 more lives. These are 12 more beasts who are going to have a second chance at life. Well, 11, as we'll see in a minute. But, you know, reading this scene of them hyping each other up for what they're about to do, my gut dropped. This was a good scene. As angry as it made me, this was a good scene. And I'm glad Ryan, Ryan wrote it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay
0: hydrate. everybody listening take a drink um the rats are all trying their best to roast some fruits they have found comforting each other that there will be meat tomorrow
1: yeah everything will come the back tomorrow sal- that's how game works obviously <laughs>
0: <laughs> the ore slaves know there will be no food for them or only scraps at best Pakatug, now gaunt from his time as a slave, stares longingly out of the woodlands, thinking of his secret hidden home. It's him who spots the three hares first, and he recognizes them as the long patrol. So
1: really, really quick, I just want, how long, how long have they been there that Pakatug is gaunt now, when he was fat before? Uh, well,
0: maybe it's because squirrels have a very fast metabolism?
1: I don't know. Yeah? I don't know. It, I think, it, I think, I think Brian's fudging some shit here.
0: Uh, for Brian, time is wibbly wobbly. We know this. But also, like, it's explained that not only has he been starved, but he's been beaten, too. Like, yeah. his body has taken a lot of stress. So Still. Still. Yeah. And when, like, when you lose weight fast, like, it does mess with your body really badly. Yeah. Um, the hairs start a grim but steady walk towards the cage. Fleewort is slain with an arrow when he calls out a challenge and they manage to kill a few more before the rats catch on and
1: start to rouse themselves. Like the the, hen- yeah. the up to that point before Fleewort sees them, the the hares are just chatting to each other. Like casually talking and walking straight into the middle of this camp. And mm-hmm. then the minute that Fleewort says something, time just smoothly draws an arrow and shoots him.
0: No hesitation, just boom, gone.
1: Yeah, it is chilling. It is a chilling moment in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. The hares shout out the battle cry of salamandastron and the fight is on. Reaching the cage, Pakatug asks for a dagger to cut the ropes of the slaves. He's given a sharpened knife from Redwall and is asked to hack the back of the cage while he's at it. Time takes a spear to the paw, admitting he won't be running today, and the hares finally say what the plan is, a grand final charge, go out in a blaze of glory rescuing the slaves. Pakatug gets the cage open and hurries to tell Clary, who's taken an arrow to the shoulder, and they call for the squirrels. He tells Packatug to stick with the squirrels and to keep other slaves moving. The squirrels get the slaves moving, and the hares take more and more damage. Time can no longer stand. Clary's taken a dagger under the ribs, and they're out of arrows. Pakatug is still there, though. He helps time stand up. Clary is irked with him, asking why he hasn't gone with the other slaves. Pakatug says he's got no love for sea rats, and he's going to give as good as he got. With that, the four go give one last war cry and dive into the seething mob of rats.
1: It is and... a very well written scene because we are getting the. We're getting Grey Patch yelling and uh trying to command it, hit the sea rats as they fight. And we're getting the three hares keeping them very well at bay. They are taking out sea rats left and right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, the amount of damage they're taking compared to the amount of damage they're doing. Like.
0: It's impressive.
1: It's very impressive because they're seasoned warriors. They've done things like this before. And the fact that they don't have an escape route, because, like, this would be, like, if they weren't worried about keeping the Sea Rats' attention, they could have gotten out. Yeah. But they had to be a distraction. And it's it's a lot. It is... You you said like this is it it's a it's a change from what we've seen from the past three books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a shakeup from the usual like going in and fighting. We don't get that immediate payoff of oh no they're gonna be saved it's fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like no we are left on this. We don't <laughs> know what happens to them and like we haven't read the next part of the book we don't know if they actually died yet.
0: Brian yeah basically everything we read in this point is 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 there to make us believe that these three or these four are dead Mm -hmm. that they have chosen to sacrifice themselves to protect redwall
1: yeah and this is the consequences of of warfare these three hairs have been raised to fight under Ronblade. he instilled this in them and mm-hmm. this is how they know if we don't have any other options, this is what we do. And mm-hmm. this is how we go out with honor. Just like Romblade would want. Exactly. It's a lot. Um, and like I just said, like the three hares would know that like if they did this, they'd take out enough sea rats to make it easier on Redwall by doing this. Yep. Even if they go down, they are making things easier for the hundreds of mice that live in Redwall
0: yeah they're just they're making the odds better Mm -hmm. and speaking of Redwall evening falls at Redwall with no sign of the slaves or the heroes who went to get them everyone waits on the wall tops ears and eyes straining Mellis admits it's her fault the six of them went to do such an insane thing
1: and it is it is her fault because she pushed
0: for it she she knew it was impossible. She knew. hmm She admits it.
1: She had a paw in their death, even if it was not intentional. And, and that again will weigh on yeah. her because that kind of shit weighs on badgers heavily.
0: Yeah. Like they it's 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 the leader conundrum. You make the tough calls, but those tough calls tear you apart. Mm
1: hmm um uh, thinking about fucking animorphs (laughs) danielle you've given me the brain worms (laughs) like
0: it's it's not just animorphs like there are the book series i've read that have had like like it's usually like the kingly figure or the queenly figure who's who's like i know i'm sending these people in to die but if i don't send them in everyone in the kingdom will die i've got no choice but to send these people in to die they know what's going to happen to them they know they're going to die i'm not trying to hide it from them but they made the choice to follow me and they made the choice to trust that if they go to die at least i'm choosing the right place to send them so that they are going to do the most good you know it's it's not easy you know what's happening it's
1: not easy And there's, this is one of those things also, like, people who don't have to make these decisions will constantly be like, oh, you would sacrifice this, like, these people, and you wouldn't try and save, like, this one person, because if you do that, it causes problems for, like, you should try and save everybody, and it's like, sometimes you just can't. And it's not, there's not any moral failing to that. Sometimes you have to make a choice.
0: Yeah. I hate it, but there's a reason the stupid t- trolley problem is used, you know? Sometimes you don't have a choice. Either way, that, someone's that gonna die.
1: problem is used by people who don't have to make those decisions. Exactly. And those decisions are hard and they suck, and again, with the idealism, we wish we didn't have to make them. There right. sometimes, but there's sometimes you, have you have to put the safety and well-being of everyone above the safety and well- like the Saving one person, mm-hmm. you know,
0: yep. And as loaded as the loaded as it can be, say sometimes the greater good is what you have to think of—the mm-hmm. greater good for the majority, not the singular.
1: Yeah, there is no with warfare. There is no. There is right and wrong with warfare mm-hmm. on the 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 macro scale. Right. Right. But on the micro scale, when you're having to make decisions in the moment, there is no right or wrong. There is only do. Yep. You have to make a decision and you have to hope that it is the one that saves the most people. Yep. It is the one that keeps the most people from dying. And that's just how it is.
0: It sucks. It really does.
1: And it's, it's harsh. And... You know, when I was younger, like, I would have been like, no, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, they have to decide to save everybody because that's the right thing to do. And it's like, yeah, I guess if you were going this, like, from a philosophy point, but the reality of it is, is, like, that's not how real life works.
0: Mm-mm. Well, how do we wish you did, though, sometimes?
1: It's that idealism. And, like, again, like, like, it's the ideal. Like, I would love to live in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. I think the Redwallers and everybody else would also love to live in an ideal world. The Redwallers try. But it is because of people like the Long Patrol that they're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Long Patrol come and help with the problems that they have that threaten that way of life. Exactly. Um, That's, like, the one thing about the Long Patrol that I do like, is they actually, they don't go out and look for fights. Like, with Salamandistron, usually the fights end up coming to them.
0: Yeah. They're like, hey, we didn't start it, but we're sure as hell gonna
1: finish it! Yeah. (laughs) Ladies don't start fights, but they can finish them. Yes. They're protecting the land from things. And you make a comment later, it's like, what fucking war are they fighting? And it's not necessarily a war. It's just like the sea rats want to come and take this shit because they're the right. sea rats, and the badgers are in the way. Yeah. So it's Ooh. the the badger's kind of personal war with them. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute when we get to it. Yeah.
0: Um. Flag comforts her that Clary would have done it with her urging or no. Clary had left a scroll for Flag telling him the plan, and Flag had also burnt said scroll so we never get any as as ordered as ordered by clary clary and his two hares were born to fight sea rats and they'd have it no other way two hours from two hours from dawn simeon finally hears the incoming slaves and their rescuers those on the wall tops prep arrows and spears and send out 20 others to help rescue them or escort them everyone gets inside safely and while the slaves are being freed from their chains the three squirrels share the saddening tale of the hares' last stand they're deeply shaken, as are all of the Redwallers. But the abbot does his best to comfort them. The Hares knew they'd live short lives. It is the way of creatures who are born into war. They did what they wanted and brought a little more freedom to the world. And I, Tudor's I kind of go is off actually a
1: bit crying here. in this. Yeah, moment.
0: yeah. Like her, her, her spoiled nature has been pretty well shattered by seeing this. So. I got a little heated at the moment because I put once again. This is the moment where I go, "What war? What we hear about sea rats raiding settlements and villages? What settlements? What villages? We never see these places. We never see the wider world." Brian keeps talking about, like, all that exists in this world is like there's the hares and salamandar They're protecting this island from sea rats, but what's there to protect when we never see any of it? We don't see other villages. We never get any other named places like he keeps saying, Oh, like these guys got kidnapped from a village. They got kidnapped from a, a town. It's like, where are these places? We never see them trading with each other. We never see them trading with Redwall. We never get these connections that make us care about this wider world that they're supposedly protecting, you know, like there's so much wildness between places that they have to make up riddle quests just to find the flippin' shore.
1: Like, well, if Salamandistra supposed to be is so dang like, important. The fastest way to travel is the river, right? Right! Where Any are the settlements settlement... on the river? Settlements that would exist, and we know that there is an otter settlement, even <laughs> if it's not mentioned in this book. We know that there are the shrews, even if they're not mentioned in this book. We know in some other book there's, like, a small family of voles. There's smaller families also that live along on their own. Like as homesteads or farmsteads things like that same as like what we would have there are no cars there are no road roads right there's no horses either yeah except for the
0: one horse
1: which doesn't technically exist in this time period right now Mm -hmm. but like we know that there is a sea otter settlement even if it's not in this book we know that there are there are multiple squirrel settlements. We know that they exist in this world from other books, right? Because we've read those books. But yeah. like we know there are settlements and we know information doesn't travel fast. People don't travel fast. If you yeah. want to get somewhere, you have to walk or pull a cart yourself. Right? Yeah. There's not anything that can help you do that. And so like we don't hear about these because getting that information is difficult it's the same way it's like you can know conceptually like you live on one side of one place you can know conceptually okay i know there's a town all the way on the other side of that place that's a fucking week's walk away yeah because you have to walk there in our modern times we are so used to being able to get places in like maybe half an hour like to get from one side of my city to the other side of my city it takes about half an hour right mm-hmm. to drive on a bike uh like an hour or two mm-hmm. by foot that's all day i used to live five minutes driving distance away from where i worked between my apartment and my job was a park sometimes mm-hmm. i would walk through said park to work it would take me an hour to get to work because i was walking i wasn't driving yeah so walking means the distance between things is so much bigger our worlds now are so much smaller to a degree because we have the luxury of being able to get somewhere very quickly
0: i guess it's just frustrating because like even back in medieval times they would have like they would have horses or carts, but I also have to remember that here, especially in Redwall, they don't have even those conveniences to help them I out. I really
1: wish that Brian had been more into the idea of like bugs. Right? <laughs> like, we got that one beetle. I really wish that he had done more with like bugs and like birds being like, bir- not messengers, bird, but like birds could be couriers. Birds yeah. could be information. Like, because we got that with the one Robin. Um, and, and we got the, with the sparrows, and kind of with the sparrows. And if, if Brian had leaned into like large bugs, I think we would have gotten more instances of like cart pulling and stuff like that. So yeah. it would have closed that distance. But as it is, boats is the fastest way to travel. Yeah. It's like he, he almost, I feel like he almost got a little too
0: far into the fantasy realized he didn't want to be quite that fantastical in that sense. And then pulled back a little too hard like, I feel like in later books, he kind of gets a little better of a balance.
1: Yeah, I don't again. think we ever get the very large bugs ever
0: again, though. No, that's too bad, yeah.
1: I but mean, yeah. The like, do kinda we do kind of have Scrab but... We see these, yeah. We don't see these villages and stuff. We don't see, like, everything else along this coast. But Salamandistron is a huge outpost, right? Yeah. And it can be seen up and down the coast for a decent bit, I would assume. It's a mountain. Yeah. Yeah, and so like, there are probably settlements that like the. That's why we have the long patrol. Hares can go yeah. for days on foot and be fine. So they probably travel between these settlements, which is also probably why they eat so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Burning back a lot of calories. Forth. Yeah, they're traveling back and forth, up and down the coast. We don't know how many other hares are part of the Long Patrol? We never see them. We don't know where they are in the world. Yeah. We've met Long Patrol members in other books that have been, like, far away from Salamandastron.
0: Yeah, like, haven't been the to Salamandastron o- in ages.
1: Yeah, on the other side of what is essentially the world. Yeah. Uh. So, like, we don't see this, and in, this is the fourth book, and so, like, it's very... It, it, it is good to point out what war, what are we seeing, because we only know, like, from the other books, we know, like, the first three books, we know people live in Mossflower Wood in homesteads, right? There are some smaller, like, farmsteads. We know there are the shrews. We know there are the otters. We know there are the squirrels. Right? Mm-hmm. We know that they each have their own smaller settlements. We don't specifically know where many of them are. Like, I don't remember where the squirrels are. I do know that the otters are somewhere on Mossflower River. The shrews are up some side paths, right? Yeah. And we know, like, there's a shrew village somewhere off the coast, right? I
0: I guess it's just frustrating to me sometimes because... Oh, and there's bats
1: in the mountains.
0: Yeah, though we never get to see them again. No. It's, It's frustrating for me because it's like... I almost feel like Brian takes for granted the medieval stereotypes that he plays with
1: sometimes. Oh, yeah. Anybody who writes stories like this, uh, do. Like, there are a a lot, like, a lot of stories that have been set in this kind of idealized fantasy medieval times that take for granted a lot and just kind of want you to make assumptions about the world Mm -hmm. that there is more than what we're seeing unfortunately in these we don't get the 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 characters going through small towns a lot of times in those other books we get that we get the main characters going through small towns meeting more people like in this book like they meet people like they met the the owls they met uh babo and uh furt uh furl and they met um all of the like reptile like the not reptile the amphibians in the swamp yeah which arguably that could have been that is a settlement arguably that's true um it's just not built the same way that they would have built it we have the 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 frogs and and toads that's also a settlement there's multiple of those along the coast and despite the fact that you know they may not get along with the hares the hares are still protecting them too
0: yeah that's true when they're not beating them up
1: (laughs) well yeah um and like it's it's we just don't get that same level of interaction that we get in like fantasy stories that have humans in them yeah. right we don't get like oh we're gonna walk along the main dirt road that leads to the abbey and we're gonna see what village we come to we don't get that that doesn't exist yeah That's, that road I think, leads to yeah. the mountains and away into mossflower god knows where
0: yeah, it's like who who made this road? Who travels? Like I think that's why it irritates me so much. Who made these roads? Who travels these roads? Like if we these know roads exist, individual
1: travelers be... move along these roads quite relatively frequently, air quotes. But yes, but even get... then We don't normally get caravans or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We get, like, allusions to the fact that Redwall will take in caravans and allusions to Redwall taking in, like, individuals because we get, like, the recorder scrolls, but we don't Mm -hmm. know how often that happens. It's... Yeah. It is an interesting thing for Brian to have kind of missed. Yeah. Because it does, it, it can pull you out of that suspension of disbelief because you're like, but wait, where is everybody else? The right. world feels empty and disjointed. Yeah. It's Which, it's a fairy tale of sorts. Yeah. And like I mean, like I said before, in a world where you don't have a very fast way of moving around beside your own feet, it can feel empty and disjointed, right?
0: Yeah, but I also feel like that's not giving people enough credit. You know, because people have always wanted to stay in contact with each other. They've always had methods to try and do well, that.
1: Yeah, but we also have like as humans. I'm going to say this. We had for cuz we domesticated certain animals long mm-hmm. long 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 time ago that the creatures in Redwall don't have access to. Right. Like horses. Or pigeons, trained, trained birds. Yeah. And things like that and birds just kind of fall out of these books. They come and go. Yeah, they come and go. We get birds of prey quite frequently.
0: Yeah, they're the intelligent ones.
1: But when we hear mention of other birds, like smaller birds, like uh, larks and like doves and things like that, they're always just birdsong. Yeah. We don't get mention of them being intelligent in the same way. Yeah. Or they're dragons, like the heron.
0: Right, right. They're just big things to fight. Yeah. You know,
1: um, so it's they're missing a lot of things that humans have had access to for thousands of years that it just doesn't exist in this world, which, again, that that's a hole in the world building, I think. Like, again, if Brian had kept to the, hey, bugs, bugs are a thing. Bugs can be big. Yeah. Bugs can pull uh, carts if they are big, and that would also help with some of the weird sizing issues, because right. <laughs> we get ants that are ant-sized, like, small, like, ant-sized. Like, if the yeah. if all of the people of Redwall were human-sized, the ants are ant-sized.
0: But then we get scorpions who are scorpion-sized compared to mice. Yeah. Right. I, I mean- it's it's a mix whatever works best at the time. Yeah. Pretty much. And
1: if Brian had kept with like well maybe they raised some beetles to be big. Right. Like thousands and thousands of years ago. But as it is it's more like it the the creatures are just humans but given different names.
0: Hang on there's a there's a good manga I want to recommend. Uh if you if you like this aesthetic of small people who have big bugs who help them out and just like generally like, if Redwall had an actual like really fun world building and was partial to baking like they bought a lot of baking things um, it's a manga called Hakume and Mikochi and it's these two little ladies who live in a little world and just kind of go around doing their thing
1: and it's really re- relaxing and I like it a lot <laughs> Oh, and- <laughs> um, so moving on from hey. this point because we've talked about world building for quite a bit and we're almost done. Right. Simeon and the abbot
0: go to close the gates as dawn crests. 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 But stop to call in Bag and Run, who sleepily say they've been saying goodbye to Melus and Flag. Both had slipped away, carrying their longbows and a great load of arrows. And I'm just like, boy! <laughs> boy! It's like we've already had one heroic sacrifice, so help me! I mean what's probably gonna happen is they're gonna go out, find the hares being tortured and or kept captive by the rats and
1: save them. But yeah. I'm just like <laughs> Yeah, but we haven't gotten there yet,
0: so right. Gabool is as lost in his sleep deprivation as always. He doesn't trust the three captains who've arrived. He demands to be called king. When the three whisper that yip, he's gone round the bend, he barks at them to not plot behind his back. They say they're not plotting, and open a beaker of wine to try and soothe over the moment. One of them spots the Waveblade coming into shore and laughs at how Orgai must still be drunk and sleeping. Suddenly, the captains realize something is wrong. They hadn't left a watch on their ships, so who is taking them back out to sea? Just as this dawns on them, Gabool spots Romblade walking on the deck of the (sighs) Waveblade. All four start barking orders, the captains sending their crew back to their ships and the frantic Gabool offering captainhood and riches to whomever slays the badger that had been haunting his nightmares. Mariel is surprised to see the ships pulling out already until she hears her name call from shore and spots Danden. The reunion is a happy one, though cut short when Dury hurries over to tell them it's time to get a move on. The rats are furious and swarming down towards the shore. And it's nice to see like this moment of like, all these plots just coming together on, on like, Terramort. Yeah, Very satisfying. Yeah, it's really nice.
1: And I like, yeah. again, that we didn't dawdle with Danden and Duri after they'd been rescued. Right. Uh, that was, like, something that happened in Madameo so much that drove me up the fucking wall. <laughs> because we just kept dawdling in places. It's like, we can move on. Mm-hmm. We can move on from here, but no, we're gonna dawdle in the dark. Get on with it! Um,
0: two shrews take over the wave blade and Dury leads them all to their hidden caves. Seven or so rats dive into the water to go after the wave blade. The others spot Romblade, who hasn't yet had time to duck out of view. Danden realizes they've both been spot, or Danden realizes they've been spotted and Romblade prepares to make a stand. He's almost taken over by the blood wrath, but Danden is able to calm him down.
1: We see, you say Danden is able to calm him down, but it took all of them a good few minutes to, like, make Ron Blaine uh-huh. move.
0: Uh-huh, because he's just like, I'm gonna fight. Like, I'm say, gonna like, do a can, murder. They can see his eyes are glazing over and his breathing's getting heavy. It's just like, this is definitely, like, this man has PTSD and he's expressing it with violence. Violence! Um. They follow Duri, who moves a large boulder to show them the hidden caves. Once all inside, they roll the boulder back into place and shove some timber in place to keep it shut. It's basically like the boulder balances in such a perfect way it can be moved very easily. Yeah. Um, you're good. <laughs> the sea rats look about but can't figure out where they vanish to. One comments how his father had always said badgers were magic. It wins him no goodwill.
1: And all the of them are giggling gets... behind the rock and then they decide yeah. to
0: leave. The group marches down a tunnel and they call the three up on what's hap- that They catch the three up on what's happening. They're going to meet the Trag. God, that sounds like something bad. Um, it terrible, sure does. Doesn't it? I'm just like, I feel like I'm saying something I shouldn't. Terramort resistance against Gabool. Ugh. Until Danden mentions that the leader knows Mariel very well, seeing as it's her father. Which I was like,
1: yes!
0: Yeah. She snatches the torch from him and dashes down the tunnel, calling out for him. Just leaves the rest in the dust, in the dark. She's like, father! Father! The two share a tearful reunion in the high ceiling cavern that serves as the trag base. Both share in the joy of seeing the other again. The rest stumble out of the tunnel, Duri nursing a bruised nose that he'd bashed against a wall in the dark. He mumbles how he's going to tell his knuckle about such rough treatment. (laughs) over a feast of forged and pilfered food joseph stares shares his story he's (laughs) he'd missed the rocks when pushed down the window hitting the sea hard and passing out the sea had washed him around the island where he was rescued by a vole who simply introduces himself as tan lock Tanlock doesn't talk much and I put a little note of like oh he's baby's first D character brooding <laughs> a desire for revenge this guy's got a whole story behind him
1: he's the main character
0: yeah he's so the main jo- character
1: we never get to know
0: about <laughs> exactly and Joseph fills in his backstory his family had been slain and now he only lives to kill hook Fang the captain of the black sail there you go what more do you need right? <laughs> i'm just like this guy needs baby's to be sitting, first rogue he he needs to be sitting in a tavern smoking a pipe wearing a cape okay he's the ranger oh god he's already he's already wearing a hood um they'd kept alive by staying hidden on the far side of the island until stumbling across the tunnels and the new lease on life their winding paths gave them using the tunnels they could gather food rescue other slaves and generally build their strength and knowledge they plan to fight the fort soon, all of them wanting deeply to remove Gabool from the world. There's a tense moment as Romblade aggressively asserts his right to kill Gabool. Joseph counters that he's already sworn to slay the rat. Mariel throws her hat in, declaring she and Gullwhacker will get to him. First come, first serve. Danden also says the Sword of Martin is for slaying evil beasts, and he won't hesitate to slay Gabool. The tension is broken with Danden and Tarquin also wildly declaring their intent to slay the evil rat, leading to laughter all around. Like, it really yeah, is. They, a tense they have, like,
1: a. a, a, a Dury and, and, and Tarquin have this, like, hushed con- uh, conversation. They're like. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Dury is like, This is my. What is it? My, my scraggan. Yeah. Like, scraggan knife. You yeah. <laughs> not gonna scrag him good and Tarkin is like y'all they're so rude uh, you're not gonna even let me get a hit in with my Haralina? Right. Like, <laughs> like,
0: I I do genuinely this is a good moment between them because it helps again it helps relieve the tension but it also points out like whoever gets to him first gets
1: you know gets first dibs basically. basically. Um, <laughs> I above think the bull ba- is going to fall into the scorpion pit yeah. That Chekhov's gun has been laid bare before us.
0: Oh, it's not even a Chekhov's gun. That's like Chekhov's red carpet. He left the car- pit open. That that is Chekhov's carpet, leading to Chekhov's <laughs> fireplace, which is leading to Chekhov's gun, which has two bright uh, beams on it,
1: spotlights, <laughs> as it's sitting nestled upon a pillow.
0: Yes, with a with a with a bullet right next to it. Um. No, the bullet's already in the chamber. The bullet's already in the chamber. Right
1: safety's Above- off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Above the great cavern in the fort, Gabool has no time to laugh. His mind is shattered. Nightmares merged with reality as he frantically dashes around his room, fighting phantom badgers. All of this is egged on by the sound of the bell. And in the dining hall below, the three drunk captains throw hard apples at the bell, mocking Gabool and the bell alike. Its tone rings out, still clear and true. The
1: fucking good... Girl- Place to end that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like though that this isn't necessarily Gabul, like going insane. He stopped sleeping. Right. When you this stop is... sleeping, it fucks with you. Your brain literally cannot handle it. Yeah, your brain... like you do in fact start hallucinating. You can't tell like uh, fiction from mm. reality. You are you hear things, you see things, mm. you 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 are you struggle because your mind doesn't have time to you know settle and process the things that it's seen during the day and you're not letting it rest you're not providing it proper sustenance Mm -hmm. because your brain while you're sleeping uses the most calories Mm -hmm. it's like all right let's go over all we went through and
0: sort it out that's why you get such weird dreams sometimes because like sometimes i can directly connect my dreams to what's happened in the day other times when I've had like a fairly uneventful day and like things have just been calm, my brain's like, Alright, now we can dredge up other things and just go wild and have fun.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Um
1: God, this is so good. This book is so good. Yeah. I I really hope that Brian manages to bring it home.
0: Me too. And again, um, like if he does have Goo fall into the scorpion pit, I'll be That's still good. Be... He set it up. Yeah. It it will be. Him it, it's not dying Darius his... X ex-
1: deus ex yeah. scorpina
0: he will be dying from his own hubris which does tie back nicely into the other villain deaths we've had so far it's just like
1: once in a while i wouldn't Their mind your hubris does getting... typically take them out yeah unless you're a side villain like asmodeus, asmodeus. then you just get stabbed
0: then you just get stabby stabbed because you're the dragon
1: stabby. Stabby. anyway <laughs> so all right let's finish this up our questions. Yes.
0: The favorite weird Abbey food in this book. Uh, Skilly, honestly, and I'm...
1: Skilly and yeah! Duff. Skilly like and I'm... Duff. Skilly
0: and Duff. I need to find it now. I know it's a real thing. This is going to drive me. I a
1: food blog that's called Skilly and Duff, but they've never <sighs> made Skilly and Duff. I'm so mad about this.
0: Um, it's a it case is... of like, the case of the real thing just being overshadowed so much by the place, like the thing it's depicted in.
1: Yeah. Uh, was there an animal that appeared that surprised you, slash, did an animal subvert expectations? Furl! 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 Furl, Just
0: despite his trauma, dove into the water! He- he was a good boy! He was a good friend! He was loyal! He is a good- nu- honestly, the reptiles in this book so far have been, like, surprisingly neutral creatures. I'm very happy about are. this. they are! That's the thing! The
1: reptiles yeah. are very
0: neutral- But so often, more often than not, they're also portrayed as being, like, mean little tricksters who will happily rob you.
1: Yeah, unfortunately.
0: Um, So I am very pleased to see them getting even just, like, the neutral treatment. It's nice to see.
1: What's Um, your favorite part so far?
0: uh, Oh, man. It's, like, so many little moments in this section are good. Just, like, the atmosphere he's able to create. just. Like the scene of the sea rats trying to get comfortable as they're trying to go to sleep, you know. Um,
1: There's a lot of very good, well-written imagery in this book that's not so flowery that it feels kind of eh. Yeah. And not so underwritten that it's like, "Mm, okay. He strikes Uh, a very neat balance. Yeah, I think on the whole, as a larger scene, uh, with the hares Mm -hmm. walking into the camp and Mm then... uh, uh, time just taking out uh, Flea That
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is probably my favorite part yeah
0: no doubt because no joking no jo- jovality just boom arrow done move on mm-hmm. this man can write really good fight scenes when he wants he to he sure can and now we actually have two questions from readers, or not readers, listeners. But I mean, they're uh, also readers. Yeah, they are readers, too. From Kate the Mad on Discord, which of the villains, major and minor, would be vampires and which would be werewolves? All
1: right, so hold on. I got a, I got a book that's got most of the villains in it. I've got the friend and foe little thingy. Give me a second. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see. Skipping past Redwall's Heroes.
0: I mean, Skipping definitely, it. like, the easy one, like, the easiest one is that, um, um, whoa, brain fart. Uh, the freaking fox. Why did my brain just go and forget his name? Eh. S- uh, well, Slagar. Like, Slagar.
1: Yeah,
0: Slagar. Um, Sl- Slaygar is a vampire. There's no Absolute question there. Slagger's a vampire.
1: Clooney's a werewolf. Clooney's a werewolf. Sarmina's a werewolf. Gabool's a werewolf. Gavul a werewolf, so let, let me let me go through let me go through the ones that are in here because uh, this actually goes through you know, quite a few though, of them. I would argue about Sarmina
0: being a vampire
1: though because
0: she is of a higher status, leeching off of the community.
1: Yeah, I can see that, but so, I think with how she is, I mean, you can okay. get aggressive
0: vampires too. My
1: phone's going off. Hold on.
0: Oh, so. how dare they?
1: Whomst. Uh No, it's it's my lunchtime alarm. I mean, it is lunchtime. It is lunchtime.
0: lunchtime. Um, I can Promise see time. her
1: being like maybe a new vampire, one that's more willing to kill. Uh huh. Whereas they like, haven't her... settled in yet. Yeah. Um, so let's see. In the starting with in villainous vermin in the friend and foe book, we start with <laughs> Badrang the Tyrant from Martin the Warrior. The battle hardened stoat Badrang the Tyrant is vicious and ruthless, letting nothing get in the way of his ambition to become lord of all of the eastern coast. He resides over his fortress, Marshank, in a reign of terror. But his false power, created by bullying and torture, utterly deserts him when he comes face to face with young Martin the Warrior in the final battle. Vampire. Yeah, vampire. And then it's Sarmina. Uh, then we get uh, Vilu d'Escar from The Legend of Luke. The pirate-stoat Vilu Daskar, captain of the gore-leech, Plunders and kills without conscience. With slaves forced to row his ship, Daskar roams the high seas in search of treasure, casually disposing of those who get in his way. He's sly, cruel, unpredictable, and, in his own words, does his best to be the worst. (laughs) When the Gorleach and its villainous crew attack the tribe of Luke the Warrior, Daskar makes a fatal mistake and a formidable enemy who will ensure that his ship becomes his grave. (laughs) Werewolf. That's a werewolf. (laughs) Swart Sixclaw from Out... What? This is a fun question. Thank you, Kate. It is a fun question. Thank you, Kate. Uh, Swart Sixclaw appears in Outcast of Redwall, an evil ferret with a six-clawed paw. Swart Sixclaw takes great pleasure in causing torment and pain. When Sunflash, the young badger whom he has taken prisoner permanently damages this trademark claw during his escape. Sixclaw vows to hunt him down and kill him slowly. This he attempts to do, leaving a trail of poison and death behind him. When he reaches the mountainous fortress of Salamandashon, proves that he is ultimately no match for Sunflash. Vampire. Really? I would think he was a werewolf.
0: Yeah, but the, the, the whole, like, swearing revenge and the slow trail of poison left behind him, especially considering it's from Outcast of Redwall, whereas, like, a lot of vampires are portrayed as being, like, you know, it's it's the one that you trusted coming back to hurt you in a lot of vampiric myths.
1: Because remember, not
0: all vampires are, you know, you know, Vlad Dracula. A lot of them are just like, hi, (laughs) I'm the village asshole who died. I've come back to leech off of your life force.
1: That's fair. All right. Next in the book is Kabul the Wild, who we have decided is a werewolf. And then we Mm -hmm. have Ergen Negru from the Bellmaker. That's a werewolf. Ergen. He's literally a fox wearing the pelt of a wolf. (laughs) Ergen. That's the definition of a werewolf, depending on your mythology. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, wild for farago the assassin appears in salamandistron an evil and pitiless weasel farago the assassin's pale blue eyes and seemingly friendly smile concealed the depth of villainy to which he's able to sink that's an easy one vampire that's a vampire we've got cluny the scourge that's a werewolf slagger the cruel vampire emperor ublas from the pearls of lutra also known as Mad Eyes, for his intense, hypnotic stare, Emperor Blas is the cunning ruler of the Isle of Sempetra.
0: Alright. Ooh, this is hard because he could really easily go either way. Because, you know, vampires do have their ability to, like, fascinate. But if you ever stare down an angry dog or a wolf, you know that you're like, Oh, I feel like a mouse looking into this big creature's eyes. Yeah. Uh, I'd say this one is a coin toss. 50-50, he could go either way. We can we can express that more if we remember it by the time we get to of Lutra, which we won't.
1: Yeah. Uh, Damug Warfang appears in the Long patro- Patrol. A great rat. Damug Warfang kills his own brother in a battle to determine who will secede their father as first blade of all That's <laughs> That is
0: a werewolf. <laughs> yep. That's straight up a pack that- fight right there.
1: Yeah, Mokan appears in Marlfox. Highly intelligent and a master of the Marlfox arts of stealth and deceit, Mokan is widely acknowledged to be the most evil of all Marlfoxes. Constantly scheming and plotting, he is a natural survivor. Until the Marlfoxes make the mistake of stealing Redwall's famous tapestry.
0: Of course, just ble- leave the tapestry alone, for goodness sake. I'm
1: touching sakes. it! Uh, And that's all the ones that are listed in this book specifically because this book uh, came out way before like half the series was written. You
0: know what we can do? We can just like keep this question on the side and answer it like after we read the book. Like make it a fourth
1: little side question because this is a fun one. I kind of like this one. It's very good. It's very, very good. I think all in all, a lot of rats will tend to be werewolves because of Mm -hmm. the way that they wield power. Right. Uh, stoats weasels and ferrets can be a toss-up mm-hmm. uh foxes will tend to be vampires and then the wild cats honestly i can see depending the wild cats can be a toss-up because i can still see sarmina very easily being a werewolf yeah but like one of the like maybe like more powerful packs of wolves
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know yeah um but foxes are definitely vampires oh
0: yeah Definitely. They're
1: sneaky. Sneaky.
0: I mean, hey, you know, Slagar has to be invited into the Abbey after all.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Uh, And so from Sarpedon, from Ben, uh, (laughs) copy-pasted directly, so this is all in quotes. Ooh, a question for you. Do you think Martin needs the focal point of the sword nearby to help the Redwallers as a kind of signal boost? And who else do you think would be a cool ghost assist in the series? I'm calling Constance right off as my pick. I, I do think say... that Martin needs the, the sword as a focal yeah. point. Uh, because when in Madame Mayo, he is more around the sword than he is around the Abbey. He's around the Abbey. He's doing something. Mm-hmm. He seems to be weaker. less there, like weaker. Yeah. So the further away the sword gets, the weaker, like that, that connection is still there, but it's like pulling uh, something taut. Mm hmm. And so the tighter that pull is, the more thinly stretched he is. Yeah. And he has to put his focus more towards the sword.
0: Yeah. Because the sword is usually where his bearer is. And, like, you do notice, too, like, during the whole invasion right now,
1: Martin's not really
0: doing a whole lot.
1: Yeah, Martin doesn't seem to be there, but he's helping Danden and Mariel a Mm -hmm. lot. Because they're the Um. ones who need him the most right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And the bearer also, I think, channels his spirit to a degree through the sword more actively. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Uh, ghost assist, definitely Constance. Uh, I think uh, Bore the Fighter. hmm Honestly, mind, any badger. I wouldn't I mind
0: Gonf helping me out once in a while. Definitely
1: Gonf. I think, uh, 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 shit, uh, what was, uh, Abish Germain.
0: Mm-hmm. Come in uh, with the medical knowledge there. Yeah. And not just medical, but tactics uh, in general.
1: Shit, what's his face? The otter with no tail. What was his name again? Mask. Yeah, mask.
0: Definitely mask.
1: Yeah. He could
0: help with the cosplay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh Warbeak.
0: Mm-hmm. They're just flying in like, what have you been doing since I've been gone? Idiots. Idiots. You're bad at this. You're bad at this. Let me tell you how to lead. Um, (laughs) Where are
1: my sparrow? Why am I empty? Where'd they go? What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What you been doing? Um, Although, to be fair, they're not in the abbey yet in this book. Yeah,
0: which is, I think, very smart of Brian to like go back because now he can flesh some things out and also not worry about the sparrow. Yeah. Gives him a chance to think that particular point over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he ever does. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of the books that we're gonna be getting into also are in the past yeah as we go it's like redwall and madameo are like the furthest point in the future right now yeah but they're not the furthest point of future because i know we've looked at them in chronological order and they are like smack ass in the middle
0: yeah which i'm okay with yeah but yes
1: all right Uh, If any of you have any ideas on, like, which of the villains, major and minor, would be vampires and which would be werewolves, or, like, who you think would be a cool, like, ghostess, like, who would be a good, cool force ghost, please (laughs) let us know. We'd love to hear your answers to these questions, because I know we hit a bunch of the major villains, but we didn't hit very many of the minor villains. Mm -hmm. We're hungry. Um, We
0: only have so much time. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly. Want me to do that outro, then? Yes. Thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. We are grateful you lent us your ears and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. This has been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a box on Twitter. I also make the Day, which are a closed species of dessert-themed foxes.
1: Get Redwall-themed ones. <laughs> Kit's about to drop a new, like, pre-made set.
0: Yeah, there's Let's 12 of leave. them.
1: It's gonna be good. I've seen yeah. I've seen the previews. Although I've by the them.
0: time this drops, it's like it's gonna be out. Although no, yeah. if I drop it on Monday and this drops, although this won't be out until like two Tuesday. or three weeks. Yeah. No, not gonna this drop has the... to come
1: out on this has to this has to come out on Tuesday.
0: Yes, but not the whole thing.
1: No, no. By the time the yeah. end of this yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Uh, just keep an eye out for other shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh I've been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the you can find me on Tumblr at uh, lotsadier.tumblr.com. Um you can find uh, the other podcast that I do at Hope's Hearth Pod, which is an actual play Solar Hope Punk uh, TTRPG podcast. We just finished out season two. Well, season two, I think the finale is going to be dropping the same week the first episode of this set comes out. Uh, so it'll be done by the time this is done coming out. Um, if you want to answer like these questions or want to talk to us. You can uh, join the Discord, which should be linked on our Tumblr and on our Twitter, which is Abby Archives in both places. Or you can talk to us on Reddit, where we post in the r slash eulalia. Star, a little asterisk uh, there,
0: where Izzy posts, because I am an old woman and I don't like Reddit.
1: Yeah, I usually post there, but usually I only post, like, if you talk to us, we will talk back, but I do not make a lot of comments on there. I will upvote things, though. Um, cause y'all are so fucking creative. There's a lot of really good shit there. Um. <laughs> oh, also. Uh, you should. I'm gonna do this for a little while. Uh, I'm helping out with a project. If you are an artist who takes commissions and want some place that is a studio where you can sell your work, a portfolio where you can showcase your work, and a good way to talk to clients, you should check out banchan Uh, Banchan, uh, hold on. What the fuck is the URL again? (laughs) Yeah. We are professionals, everyone. Banchan.art. That's B-A-N-C-H-A-N dot A-R-T. And sign up for the closed beta. Because it's going to be good. I have been helping out with this. I know the people who have been working on this. They have over a decade of experience in uh, web development. Uh, And they are working with an actual fucking lawyer to make sure that this website works. (laughs) It's going to be good. Please come join. And you will have a say in how things go. We've got a bunch of people helping us do dev testing right now. It's great. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got.
0: Alrighty. So, and again, you can find us both at Abby Archives on Twitter and on Discord. And the Tumblr. And our Tumblr. You are also on that Tumblr. I am also on that Tumblr. I am very happy to interact with people on that Tumblr. All righty. So, may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry. From us to you at Redwall Abbey. Bye. Bye. Right. clap at the 30.
1: Sure. Listening. If you like this podcast and want to help keep it going, please consider donating to our coffee, linked in the description below. Follow our Twitter and Tumblr at Abbey Archives and join our Discord. This podcast is part of Hearthside Enclave, and some other shows you might like are Hope's Hearth, a solar hope punk actual play podcast, and Post-Apocalyptic News Radio, a Fallout-inspired audio drama.